Welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, helping you take back your life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. What is up? I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 263 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me as always is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. That's all, folks. I'm guessing that that came from something that happens later in the episode today. Was that sparked by that? It, it was a, a reference to that, but that is actually, you know, from my childhood, yep. the watching the Looney Tunes and mm-hmm. Porky Pig's uh, conclusion to every episode. So. <laughs> which is your childhood, and I guess is mine, because in Space Jam, which was, is probably one of my favorite movies of all time, I also see the Looney Tunes. Yeah, those characters spanned quite a few decades, because yes. even, you know, in the mid-80s, I think the cartoon originated in the 60s, uh, so it been out for quite a while. Man, the legs on those those shows. Nice work. Um, I don't even know who Bugs created Bunny, them. <laughs> Porky right. Pig. I That's mean, right. That's right. The things that just live on in our memories. Well, I'm interested to see how you tie it in today's episode description, because we had Tracy Wright, who's one of our clinicians, uh, and also co-authored the How to Talk with Your Kids About Sex, her and her husband, Rodney. Wrote that book, and she came on, and we tackled another myth today that self care is selfish. Yeah, and the you know the words we use are important, you know, and so just being able to say that's all, folks, is important. But uh, the way that we think about self care matters, mm-hmm. and the the way we define it, so that we aren't just looking to escape life and avoid responsibility, but lean into those things that provide um, encouragement, peace, strength, so that we're able to be the kind of people we want to be in all the situations that we're called to be in, whether as parents or workers or friends or spouses. um, We just really want to emphasize or lift up that value of what what do I need to be the right kind of person in all those situations? And self-care is a major part of that. Yeah. And I think today's uh, conversation, we were able to shift a paradigm for sure, um, for sure for many listeners, but then also gave really some thoughtful and practical things to help implement it for sure. Uh, a few things before we get to it. Subscribe to the podcast. If you're not subscribed, just just do it. Like literally, don't wait. I mean, I was just thinking about. I just subscribed to like two new podcasts this last week. It's simple. I just push one button and boom, there it is. So just do it. Give us a review. It helps other people find the podcast, uh, especially on iTunes. We're at 4:39 right now. I'd like to have more than that. And follow us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pure Desire PDMI. If you'd like to consume video content, the full episode of this will be up on YouTube. Just search Pure Desire Ministries. And then Nick, man, it's out in the world. We're excited. And we had worked a long time to get it here, but the group leader training video course, it is in the world. Yes. You know, Trevor, I recently got a new watch. I've noticed. A new running watch. Um, And it has all kinds of features for tracking running, cardiovascular health. Um, Honestly, about half of the features, I don't even know what they mean. (laughs) Now I can just kind of keep plowing through that and figuring it out my best. And the watch works. Uh It it works. But I will miss out on the full experience of of what is available to me. And so at some point, you know, I need to take the time to read some user's manuals, to probably go online and research some of this stuff so that I, I can utilize all of these features. And that's what I think about the group leader training is all of us have probably been in a small group. We kind of know the gist of you know guiding a conversation, mm-hmm. bringing people back to the topic. But there are so many features to a healthy recovery group, especially as Pure Desire recommends it. That if we've not taken the time to go to the user to go to the user's manual, if we could mm-hmm. put it that way, to really understand some of the d- dynamics of the group guidelines and how to set up the group well, we may not be having the full experience or the kind of experience that we really could have. And so that's why I would encourage everyone to go through the group leader training yep. to just create that knowledge base, that understanding of what does a healthy, vibrant, successful group look like. And then to the best of your ability to follow what's been laid out for you. And I I think it's just going to be tremendously helpful. And we're so excited to have this as an avenue to really create continuity for the way Pure Desire groups are run, whether it's a group meeting um, in person in San Diego or in Long Island, New York, um, that there would be a lot of similarity between the way those groups function. Yeah. So if you want to confidently lead life-changing Pure Desire groups, just go to puredesire.org slash GLT and purchase your group leader training course. You can get this individually, just a one-time, or you can get this inside of a church or individual membership. Just go to puredesire.org slash GLT. All right, here's our time with Tracy Wright talking about the myth that self-care is selfish. Tracy Wright, we're excited to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Good to be here. 
we like Tracy. Am I right? Like we like Rodney. He's great. But like we, we love us some Tracy. Well, I think we know that Tracy is kind of the, you know, the, how do I want to put this? That he's the part of Rodney that keeps Rodney in check. That keeps Rodney, you know, moving forward. We know that's Tracy. Like, that's right. <laughs> that she brings that calm, reasonable, like straightforward approach. And yes, it's great to have you on. Yeah. We're excited. And uh, I mean, as a clinician with Pure Desire, we love having you on too for your expertise. And today we're going to tackle a myth, um, another one of our myths. This is obviously another Mythbusters episode. And the myth today is self-care is selfish. This may seem funny or even too subtle um, to be all that important, but you'd be surprised on how many of us carry this myth with us into recovery and healing, especially in the church. And so Tracy, let's just jump right into it. Um, what is it? Just and and again, this is a something I think maybe that's implied or learned or whatever, but we carry it in. What about self care? Is it that makes it feel so selfish? And why do we often hear this message in our faith circles and churches? Well, this is definitely a important topic to me, and I think part of that is I grew up with kind of with that with a belief system around being other centered, self sacrificing, and sometimes that was confusing to me of like, what does it mean to take care of me? And am I always supposed to put other people's needs ahead of myself? So I, I would call that a lifelong journey when you start mm. to say, okay, what, what are the things that were modeled to me or taught to me? And are they true? And when I say, are they true, then do they produce things that are healthy? Do they produce the gifts of the spirit, right? Yeah. Do they produce more love, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness in me? So I think starting with our belief system, of really, what do I believe about self-care? So, and there could be a lot of different words for self-care, but um, I think some of the belief systems that I look at with people are just not feeling worth it, taking care mm -hmm. of themselves um, or not being valuable. My needs don't matter. And um, so if we grow up that way, or if we're modeled that, or in the church, if we think, you know, I always have to put other people ahead, that's what Christ would do is put other people ahead. Yeah. I was thinking of a song I learned um, really young that was J-O-Y, tell you what it means, Jesus first, yourself last, others in between. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure that's a really, you know, a full the full picture. Yeah. It's not that it's, you know, completely off, but I don't think it's the full picture. Because if we're always putting ourselves last, then we're not doing the love others as we love ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. I love how that scripture says, I have to love myself first to be able to give out and to love others. So really, it's looking at our belief system and sometimes cracking it open a little bit and saying, is this helpful? Is this really helping me to have the kind of relationships, the kind of recovery, the kind of life that is God honoring? Yeah, it seems like in many ways it's a misunderstanding of what Jesus said to the disciples that in Mark 8, he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself or themselves, yeah. herself, uh, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And and that's a beautiful verse. And you know, for many years, I kind of thought of it as my life motto. It's, it's all about Jesus and yeah. it's not about me. Right. And there's truth to that. But when we apply it to meaning anything that's good for me, anything that's healthy, um, that's really a misunderstanding because I think Jesus there is calling people to lay aside selfish ambition, to lay aside you know power and control and building their own kingdom because that's that's really what the context is about is Peter who's trying to say no Jesus your kingdom shouldn't be about you dying it should be about you know taking the throne we'll go with you and and all he had all these kind of dreams I think of this grand earthly kingdom where he was going to be a part of the mm -hmm. power and control system and Jesus is saying no you have to deny yourself. And, and so there's truth in that, but when we extend it to meaning I can't have anything good um, for my life, for my body, then we're really misunderstanding what he meant there. And we'll probably get into this in other places in the episode, but I also feel like it falls into a Christian category where we've really seen there's a denial of the human body. Yeah. There's that divide between spiritual and physical, and we think of, well, anything that I do to feed my soul, Bible study, prayer, fasting, you know, spiritual disciplines, well, those are okay. But if it's anything that's good for my body that I would enjoy, well, that that feels kind of earthly or carnal or fleshly. And, yeah. and it's really lacking a healthy understanding of scripture that teaches we are whole united beings. And if something truly is good for our bodies, good for our physical life, good for our mental health, that's also good for our spiritual health. It's all, yeah. you know, as our yeah. friend Rodney 
will so often say it's all spiritual. Mm -hmm. It is all spiritual if we're caring for our body in a way that leads to, like you were saying, Tracy, the fruit of the spirit coming out of us, yeah. greater love, greater joy, greater patience, greater peace. And um, so I think we need to address the myth honestly. Yeah. I think a couple of things that came to mind, like for me growing up, it was a fear of the perception that I was like prideful or all about myself. So was this like fear of man, fear of judgment, fear of my, um, maybe my reputation. But I think in a lot of ways, this also is, is not modeled well, at least for me growing up in the church, this was not modeled well. I didn't see this modeled by my parents. I didn't see this modeled by other leaders or pastors in the church. And what I mean is I saw someone who, like for me, I felt like I grew up literally in the church building. We were always there. And I, again, this isn't something where I'm blaming mom and dad. I think in a lot of ways it benefited me. But what I saw ultimately knowing now is a lack of boundaries. Like it was a lack of, of self-care margin, a lack of boundaries, just always serving other people, always sacrificing ourselves for the benefit of others. And, and never pouring into ourselves. So again, I think a lot of us, um, that, that whole like caught and taught thing, I don't think we were, most of mm. us anyway, were taught that self-care is bad, but we caught that from our caregivers or from our church leaders, whatever it may be. But I just think it, it's just not modeled well. I agree. I, th I think that's um, I, my perceptions too, Trevor, of being, am I going to be judged or am I judged by this uh, other-centeredness or giving or serving the most, right? It had to kind of, um, I think there were people that challenged my paradigm over the years and helped me that challenged in, and would talk to me about it, just like we're doing today. Hopefully we're helping challenge some people's paradigms of saying we're doing something because this is what we think, but it doesn't really work. It's not helpful. It doesn't really produce more of that Christ likeness in me that, that I'm desiring and that healthy, holistically healthy mm -hmm. person in all those areas. So I, I definitely challenged that belief in me. And then even just looking at um, Christ, not saying, serve me, serve me, serve me, but saying, follow me. And another scripture that I love is kind of a life scripture. Wonder why I took that on because I was always serving and feeling guilty about if I took my self-care or set boundaries, but my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah. Right. So Christ yeah. saying as a, as a teacher, as a rabbi for, to his followers, Find rest for your souls. I'm here to help you find rest for your souls. And I'm not going to lay a heavy burden on you. Well, that's in contrast to us trying to lay that heavy burden on, on ourselves. Like we somehow have to prove something. Hmm. We've got to serve, serve, serve other people. And my needs aren't, aren't important. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. So the, the term or the phrase self-care gets used a lot in today's culture and world. And so let's just make sure uh, people understand what we're talking about when we say self-care. Could could you give some examples, Tracy, of self-care or even how you would define self-care um, from kind of a, the perspective of pure desire and being a counselor and, and the, the ways that we're encouraging people to pursue self-care? Yeah, I think that it's like the little catchy phrase of self-care is not just a bubble bath or pedicure or whatever. And I certainly think that doing nice things for ourselves is a part of self-care. Uh, I heard an author one time say that it's God... Um, self-care is God's medicine cabinet inside of us. Mm. So like some of those healthy chemicals that we get from taking a walk, talking with a friend, being in sunshine, doing a hobby, all of those things. And I thought that was a really kind of a cool perspective of God put a medicine cabinet inside of us. And some of those things are how we cope in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. um, the other piece to that though, I think is not just adding those things, but coping skills. What are my coping skills? How do I deal with life? I think self-care is also a healthy support system. So looking at what do I have around me, not just one person, but mm -hmm. what is a healthy support system I have. Um, and then it's not just about what I do, but also what I don't do. So self-care is about boundaries. So it's about setting limits for myself. Maybe I need to let, set limits myself or setting limits with others. Yeah. Maybe there's boundary buster people in my life that don't listen to my boundaries and how do I set those with others? Yeah. So I think all of that, a lot of different things can fall under self-care, but really it's what we talked about is holistically, how am I meeting my needs? So it, how am I having a strong mind? Mm. How, how am I having a strong body? All of those pieces are, are part of our self-care. Yeah. Um, what's funny too, is I think that self-care it's not always something that, because uh, this is something I'm learning right now in, in this season of life for me, is I'm practicing silence and solitude for the first time. 
And I'm finding myself not anticipating or looking forward to that time, (laughs) you know? So self-care isn't always just like, oh, I'm going to go see a movie or I'm going to go golf or I'm going to go hang out with friends. Sometimes it's doing things that maybe are counterintuitive to our lifestyle or even our personality. And that's why I'm, I'm pressing into this. But I just um, finished a book by Ruth Haley Barton on silence and solitude. And she uses this illustration of taking a, a glass jar and picking out like river water in it. And once you get that water in there, the water's still moving and it's violent and it's moving around and it looks just, you know, it looks like it's all together. But once you set that jar down and the water starts to settle, you see that the sediment starts to go to the bottom and you see the clear water on top. And she uses this illustration to say that this is what happens when we slow down or do things that care for ourselves is it brings clarity. It shows us what's there. Things start to settle and it's calm and you can see where the water is. You can see where some of the issues or things that's in the water are. And the same thing for our soul, things start to come up. And so for me, that's like the fear in doing this. But at the same time, like I found some clarity um, and some perspective when I sit. And so I'm just using that as an example to say that it might not be something where it's like, man, I, I just, I love walks and that's all I'm going to do for self-care. Well, maybe there are some things that you might not enjoy on the front end, but you know are overall beneficial for you. And some of those things we need to press into as well could be really helpful. Yeah, I find it helpful too to think of self-care in kind of the medical terms of how it's different than hospital care or nurse care or doctor care that if you're injured and in the hospital, you're being cared for by others. Mm -hmm. But there comes a point that they, you know, the nurse shows you how to change out your own bandage or how to... Your, your physical therapist shows you how to do these exercises at home, and we would call that self-care. And so for a lot of people listening to this podcast who are in recovery because of their addiction or the wounds and harm and hurt that have come because of someone else's struggle or addiction, there is that need for self-care that we, we can't just wait or expect everyone else to do the care for us. I mean, there, there may have been some points when we were in triage in our relationship or just um, things were really bad that people were intervening and helping but there's the need for self-care. There is the need that I am responsible to make phone calls, to interact with people and share how I'm doing, what progress I'm making on my commitment to change, the, the need to schedule time with a counselor because I, yeah. I need to get into those wounds and figure out what's driving them and causing the pain. I, I may need time to withdraw so I can journal or meditate or reflect on what's, what's going on in my heart and mind. Um, yeah. all, all of those are ways that I am taking steps to proactively continue my healing process. So I, I think in some ways culture does throw around self-care as just well, anything that you enjoy that's fun. And it, it can be that too. Yeah. But there's another side of self-care that's also about being attentive to my needs for recovery and health and healing. Because if, if just like in that medical realm, if I don't do self-care at home, the wound may not heal um, correctly. Right. The, 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 the sickness, the disease may not... Um, run its course as quickly as it could because I'm not doing the things that I'm able to. And so I think that's an encouragement to me just to look at in my recovery process, what are the things I need to practice so that I can continue Mm -hmm. getting healthier? And then we call that self-care. Yeah. So let's press into that, Tracy. Why is self-care so necessary in the healing and recovery journey? What benefits does it bring? Well, if you think of recovery equals connection, then self-care piece is really about reconnecting Mm. so that's how i think of recovery i'm reconnecting to self so like what's going on inside of me and listening to the holy spirit because i i use the term self or my true self to when i listen to the holy spirit because sometimes people will think well the holy spirit doesn't talk to me yes the holy spirit talks to you through quieting ourselves like you were talking about trevor through quieting ourselves through listening through people around us, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is always talking and always at work. So I, I think of that as when I quiet myself and I can hear what my needs are, that's really God working through me to help me find healing. So if I think of that connection, not just with myself, but then also reconnection with others, and then ultimately that's reconnection with God, right? When we're connected with ourselves and with others, mm. we're honoring um, that connection with God. So I think the key to discerning between self-care and selfishness a lot of times is learning to be a good listener. So it is pulling back and it is uncomfortable. Self-care can be uncomfortable sometimes. Um, We want to be able to pull back and focus on our healing. Like you said, Nick, I think I'll share that a lot of time with women I'm working with. It's like, you have to think of the wound on the inside because a wound on the outside, if I'm in the hospital, I got ran over by a truck and I've got 
you know, I picture these white bandages and my legs up in the thing and I can't move. Yeah. Am I expecting myself to um, continue moving at the same pace that I've made with the rest of my life? Or am I having to pull back? You know, we're forced yeah. to pull back in that case. Sometimes when the wound's on the inside, we're not forced to pull back or something might happen that forces us to, right? Because yeah. in a lot of right. ways that does happen. Um, but if we can see it in that way, that to really have the wound fully heal, um, we have to pull back in some way and focus on the recovery and recovery again is going to be reconnecting. So it's going to go out into all different ways in our life. Mm. Yeah. I think of the way that we've used the phrase, um, the pornography or unwanted sexual behavior are illegitimate ways of trying to meet legitimate needs. Mm -hmm. And so in the healing and recovery process, it's to recognize I do have legitimate needs. And so self-care then is the legitimate ways that I meet those legitimate needs. Yeah. So, so we have a real need to feel seen or valued. So in, in pornography or lust, we have found a very illegitimate way to feel that um, that has perpetuated the struggle or the addiction. So self-care might be asking, what are places that I feel seen or valued that I go to to meet that very legitimate need? So yeah. that might be a night out with friends or getting together with that mentor or counselor. What, what, are, what are those environments? Mm -hmm. So when we practice, when we have a legitimate need to cope, when we have very strong emotions or difficult things happen, we are designed, I think, by God to need to run to something. Yeah. The question would just be, is it a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing? So we would call self-care running to those healthy ways right. of coping, right. which could be a, a number of different things, just depending what a person has developed in their life for, for self-care. Yeah, I find self-care for me, I can define it a lot better when I feel like once I'm done with that activity, I'm a better version of myself or I'm in a better place mm -hmm. mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever it may be. Like I just got back a couple of days ago from like a four-day trip across the country with one of my closest friends. And to me, I feel so full. And so like, I feel refreshed. I feel full, like in the best ways. And so like I'm sitting here and I'm not thinking about all these other things that are going on and circling around. I'm just like, I'm calm, I'm present, I'm in a better space. And that is what, that's what is so helpful because when I'm at that place, my decision-making is better, my communication is better, how I relate to other people is better. And so I think all of those things are a part of the recovery process. And so for me, it puts me in a healthier place to then navigate because we know this. We know that recovery does not mean I won't struggle and that life won't be difficult anymore. If you're healing and recovery, it's still like life is still going to suck in a lot of ways. It's going to be better because you have better tools. And really, really, it's almost like a refresh of your operating system on how you navigate everything. And I think that that's what self-care does for your recovery and healing. It, it helps you get to a place where you're operating out of a much better place. I just think that's absolutely so key that addiction is an unhealthy coping mechanism and we have to replace that with healthy coping mechanisms. So sometimes I, I see people, you know, not understand that when I pull away from that addiction, or even when I pull away, let's say it's in betrayal and I'm policing my spouse, or, you know, I'm, I'm doing something, I'm bursting out in anger. When we pull away from something, we don't always see that we're still trying to meet our needs. Mm -hmm. So now how do I meet those in a healthy way? Yep. So if I can let go of that self-care is selfishness and realize that it's going to benefit myself, but it's also going to benefit my life and the people around me and my children and my, mm -hmm. you know, the people that are in my world by doing that. I just think that's such a key that we don't always pick up on. It's just, we're letting go of something and we're trudging along versus no, God's got a lot of things to replace that, that are healthy, that bring those positive chemicals that make things that are enjoyable. Right. And yeah. that help us to relate better to other people. Yeah, so let's lean into that a little bit, Tracy. We're talking a lot about recovery and, and the needs for self-care, but how does self-care benefit us holistically? Meaning our, our life outside of just recovery and those needs, how is self-care good for us in our entire life? Well, I mean, that is a part of our recovery, but if you weren't specifically looking at the addiction and the betrayal piece and you're just talking about self-care, um, it's really, I think, looking at what we value. So what do I value in life? So um, how do I want to create a meaningful life? So for me, that's going to be meaningful relationships, purposeful work, creative or relaxing play. I think all of those pieces, if you can ask yourself that question of what do I value? What kind of life do I want to create? 
And obviously we can't um, control other people's choices, right? So we may be in family situations, spouse situation where um, they're not in a healthy place and we can't control other people's choices, but we get to build a life around what we value mm-hmm. and we can find people and integrate those things into our life and find other people that are supportive of that healthy people. Um, so to me, just the big picture is what do I value? And when I look, even if you can look at that, like, where would I like my life to be five years from now? Or if I wasn't in the middle of this mess, whatever addiction, betrayal, whatever mess, if I wasn't in the middle of that, what, what would I like my life to be like? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good starting point for what do I need to change now? Like, do I need to take a risk? Yeah. Right. That's that double bind. And then a commitment to change. What kind of risk do I have to take? Um, maybe the hard next right thing that I have to do. I was having a conversation recently with a coworker where, um, when we've gotten some healing under our belt, we find ourselves expecting the same thing from those around us. And what's funny is like, um, there's a disappointment and there's this like pressure to feel like, no, 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 I just want to, want to fix the situation or fix this person. Maybe it's our family or friends we're in group with or whatever it may be, but recovery doesn't, um, help us change other people. It gives us the tools to relate to people better. Like, and so I think it, for me, the biggest benefit mm-hmm. is relationally, like, um, you know, a, a phrase that I've heard recently that just keeps circulating in my head is curiosity over criticism. Um, just this idea of like, how do I be more compassionate and curious to my friends or people around me who act differently, or I don't understand why they're doing or why they're saying the things that they're saying or doing. But I think it just, it's something where um, it equips us with the tools to, uh, again, going back to it, navigate life in a healthy way. It doesn't make life easier. And so I think that, again, it just, it's something that helps us in relationship. It gives us the tools that we need to, um, I mean, manage is the best word I can think of. Manage relationship, manage life, manage anything we experience. Yeah. The word that comes to mind for me is resilience. That if Mm -hmm. I'm practicing self-care, I'm more resilient to problems that come up, difficult emotional situations. You know, if I'm at work and suddenly you get that maybe an inflammatory email, if I'm practicing self-care, I am more able to respond in a way that is loving and kind and gracious versus if I've not been sleeping well, I'm making poor choices of diet, I'm not exercising, I, I'm just much more likely to, to not have resilience emotionally or relationally and just also to lash back. I, the illustration that comes to mind, it's like in life, we all carry this backpack and when we're not practicing self-care, it's like we're loading more weight into our pack. When we, we lack sleep, we lack good diet and exercise mm. and we're just, we're carrying this heavy pack. And so if someone comes along and kind of gives us some of their problems, they're adding to the weight of our pack. And it just feels like, oh, what, like, why could you, how, why are you doing this to me? And, and, yeah. and we're not in a good place to receive that versus when I'm practicing self-care, mm. my, my load is light. As you said, uh, yeah. Tracy, Jesus's words of my, my yoke is, is easy and light. The burden is not heavy. Yeah. And if I've got room in my pack and you come to me with one of your issues, I'm like, sure, I can help carry that. I got room, I got space, I got mm-hmm. margin. So when we enter into life with that emotional and relational resilience, I just, I think we're able to see where we can contribute. And it's not just the sense of, oh, here's one more thing. Because yeah. I know when I get into that place of everything's one more thing, um, mm. it's, it's a hard place to, to live. And it's, it's usually about a lack of self-care. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So um, some of us, you know, and again, this may be someone who's early on in the recovery journey or the healing journey, um, but even some of us who've been in recovery for a while still struggle with this knowing where to start with self-care. So what are ways, both of you, what are ways we can begin implementing self-care into our routines? I would start with get curious. <laughs> this is like something I say to myself all the time and other people, get curious. So non-judgmental curiosity has become a part of my life, right? Because I can't, unless I just start to ask myself the questions, then I, I'm, I can tell somebody you need self-care. Any one of the three of us can tell people listening today, you need self-care, right? But if we don't really believe it for ourselves, uh, we don't really understand it, then we're just going to try to do it, but we're not going to have a change or a shift. So getting curious about what I need, like, what do I need to be healthy? What's unhealthy in me right now? How can I get my needs met? Is Do I need to do something different myself? Or do I need to ask for help from somebody else? Um, can I educate myself? So um, this podcast is a form of education, books, uh, support people, a counselor, 
those are ways that we educate ourselves. So I think getting curious first and asking ourselves the questions and really diving into what our needs are. And then along the practical lines, um, just a couple things, write it in your calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. put it down in your calendar, whatever, even if it's 10 minutes, 30 minutes, because I know there's some young moms out there, because I was one who say, there's no way I don't even go to the bathroom by myself. Well, if we can start with that 10 minute piece of like, okay, I'm just going to pick up a book and read it for 10 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes that helps us rather than, well, I don't have a full day for self-care, mm-hmm. right? But you might just say, I'm going to work it in 10 minutes every day. I'm going to do something. I'm going to read color, put a, put a puzzle piece in. That's right. what I do sometimes. Leave a puzzle out, put one piece in. I feel very accomplished if I put that puzzle piece in there <laughs> yeah. for my day. It just <laughs> sure. shifts my energy a little. And I felt really good over something that really wasn't that <laughs> that exciting yeah. to do. But um, I think you could join a group around a hobby also. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we join a group around intense work, recovery work, or Bible study, and we forget to join it around play. And when we're little kids, we have that joyful spirit. We're playing a lot. Mm-hmm. And so if there's something creative that you like to do or a way you like to play, then join some kind of group around that. And then another piece that I love to do is just like sticky notes around. And that could be for your affirmations too. Yeah. But it all could also be to remind yourself of self-care. And um, just thinking of too, in my last group, we were reminding our, each other of self-care. Like, oh, what was your self-care this week? Especially for those who said, I just don't do self-care. This is really foreign to me. Mm. So having support people that remind you or that say, how are you doing with that? You, I know you set an intention around that. How's that going? Mm. Another strategy you can try is just to ask yourself the question, what do I need? And for every one of us, the answer to that is different. But if we can identify yeah what we really need, then I think starting in self-care is just to ask, well, what is one thing I can do this week to meet that need? Mm -hmm. And so if someone asks themselves that question, there is, I just need more sleep. I'm just so tired. Then thinking about, okay, what what will I need to do to be able to get to bed earlier? And that might be some conversations with a spouse or family member about, hey, would you take these responsibilities so I could get up earlier or go to bed earlier? Or would you be willing to do this in the morning so I could sleep a little more? I just realized how tired I am. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't live in a bubble or a vacuum, so our choices do impact other people. And that's maybe why a lot of people don't practice enough self-care because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, my spouse would, wouldn't want me to do that or my kids wouldn't allow for. or and, and the truth is a lot of those are reservations or limits I think we put on ourselves where if, if we asked in a kind, appropriate way, I, I believe most people really want to help us get what we need. And mm-hmm. so if I were to go to a spouse and say, I just really feel like I need some fresh air. I am in this house all day with these kids. Could, when you come home at five o'clock, would it be okay if I took 30 minutes just to go, you know, walk or run? And for some people, that's not their need. Mm -hmm. So that's where I I think we have to be careful in giving people advice of what you should do for self-care. Start with what's your need and then figure out how to ask for it in just one way. One way this week that I could get, is it more margin, more sleep, more exercise? Mm -hmm. Um, Do I need more friends? What is my need? And then do one thing to move in the direction of that need. Yeah. Uh, A practical thing and then more of a philosophical thing for me. I think a practical thing to your point, Tracy, of like, just schedule it. um, I think it would also be okay to maybe schedule like pockets throughout your day where it's five minutes here, 10 minutes there, if it's possible. Um, You know, like for for us, we go, uh, especially when it's nice here, we go on walks, you know, we'll do a one or two lap walk. And that's great. Like it's, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, and, and we come back in and it's, and it's good. You know, did something magnificent or life altering happen on the walk? No, but it's something where we do it multiple times a day. And I find myself looking forward to it. And when I get back, I'm in a better mood. Um, and then the philosophical thing for me is, um, asking the question, what are things that push me into deeper relationship with God, with myself or with other people? And I think that self-care is something that does that again, for me, it's movies, journaling, you know, hobbies, definitely, but finding ways that um, help me push deeper into relationship. Because again, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And so how do I facilitate those things? And again, self-care, the one that tends to get, uh, I think, um, the one that tends to get overlooked is deeper relationship with myself. It's easy to think of God and think of other people, but what's a way for me to become, you know, more curious or more compassionate or explore what's going on under the surface for me? So I think that's the philosophical thing. How do I 
find things that push me into deeper relationship with God, with others, and with myself. If I'm trying to make a habit out of it, right, then I want some repetition. So yep. sometimes I'll really challenge people, just try it, try it for a week, try it for three weeks. Yep. And that helps it be a little less scary because it's not like, oh, I, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do that if it's something new. Right. Um, so if you schedule that, even if you said, I'm going to do one self-care item, it doesn't have to be the same thing every day for 21 days, right? We, it becomes more of a habit, easier to remember that, um, that's a part of our, our life, making it a part of our life. Totally. So we've started to get into some practical ideas here, Tracy. And when we do, our brain begins to think through the scenarios of, well, okay, then I'm going to have to ask my spouse Mm -hmm. to do this or my family or my friends or my at work, I'm going to have to ask for permission for something. And that, that can be a barrier for a lot of people. So how do we handle people not understanding or pushing back on our need or requests for self-care? Yeah, that can be really scary. For people sometimes mm-hmm. to take that step. And um, sometimes they're getting their that need met by pleasing others. And so this means people are going to be disappointed in me. And that's really hard for people sometimes. Or um, we're okay with setting it, but then we feel a lot of guilt around it. Now I have to carry around all this guilt because I set the boundary. Um, so again, I think once we've worked through our belief system of yeah, this is this is really good for me and it's really good for other people then it's practicing it. So I'm doing something that's a little uncomfortable and I'm going to need to practice that. And when it makes somebody else uncomfortable, now what do I do with that? So we can say, is it done in love? I think that's really important. Did I do it in love? Sometimes I have to weigh that because my boundary might be like, oh, I feel like I'm not going to do this in love because I'm overwhelmed or something. But am I able to do that in love? Set the boundary. And then if they're not comfortable with it, be there for them in another way. I call it wrapping around in love. That's why I always do this because I call it wrapping around the person in love, set a boundary, and then be there for them in another way because mm. they may be disappointed in that boundary that I set. Yeah. But I can still affirm that I still care about the relationship by doing that in a different way. And sometimes I think too, it's discerning if the pushback is legitimate. So sometimes in our relationship with another spouse, I think of a, for instance, a lot of couples with young kids Um, both of them are tired. (laughs) Both of them are either working or staying home with the kids and both need their needs met. And a lot of times they're trying to get it met from the other person who's also exhausted. So that's a time where it's legitimate that maybe it's hard to get that need met. Um, Or if someone, let's say one person in the family is constantly volunteering and they're, you know, constantly doing stuff and the other person isn't so much. um, I think that's a time where we can talk about it. So I would just say, let's communicate about it. Let's see if compromises need to be made. And let's see also if how both of us can get our needs met. Yeah. So hopefully if we're becoming healthy people, it's not just about, you know, I'm not getting selfish by doing this. I'm yeah. still listening to other people's needs, but I'm trying to see how can we both, how can both of our needs met, especially when we're talking about our spouses, right? Totally. I think communicating personal benefit and the need for it is important. I mean, I think sometimes it's easy to just like, well, I'm going to go, you know, and you don't even talk about why. And so if people push in and ask, or, you know, maybe they don't understand, like, and you, again, it's not your responsibility to convince this person that you need self-care, but it is your responsibility um, to when there maybe is tension in that relationship to communicate, well, here's why I believe that I need this for myself. And if you can just sit down and be like, if my wife came to me, and was like, look, I've been at home with the boys all day and I'm exhausted. Can I go downstairs and just, cause she's, she's a puzzle person. Can I go downstairs and do a puzzle for 15 minutes? Like, I'm not going to be like, no, what are you talking about? Like, you're fine. Like if she has communicated where she's at, what her needs are, and that this is something that can help serve her, I'm in a much better place to receive that and understand that. Um, now, could, could people still re- respond negatively to that? Well, of course they can. But I think that still being willing to just acknowledge, I need, I have a need here. Self-care is going to help me meet that need. And when I come back, I'm going to be a better, I'm going to be in a better place. I think that that can go a really long way with people who might not understand. Yeah, it's so true because if you think about it, we all want the best version of each other. Like our spouses, our kids, our coworkers, like we don't want the grumpy, tired, (laughs) critical, cynical version of people because that- that's not fun for anybody and it just makes life harder. And so if we can communicate that why, that here, here's how this will help me. And I believe I will be a better spouse to you. I'll be a better friend to you. I'll be a better parent to our kids. It, it will help me 
re-engage with greater health mm-hmm. and energy and and joy it's like well yeah i that's worth it you know and there's an exchange there and at the end of the day as humans i think many of us work on kind of that ex- like what's in it for me we don't like to think that way but we're kind of in our fallen nature wired a little bit for like well, what will i get out of this and if if i realize like oh I may get a much healthier, um, happier spouse. Well, right. hey, let's try that. That sounds good to me too. Yeah. Uh, and that's the word I was thinking about in this when we're getting pushback is look for opportunities for there to be repress, res, anyway, for there to be back and forth. Reciprocity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just totally got stuck on that word. I felt like Elmer Fudd there. <laughs> we're going to go out. Uh, <laughs> we're leaving all of this in. This is so good. Uh, but that idea of if you approach it saying, hey, just uh, to your example, Tracy, we're both, I think, in a season where our lives, our kids, the house, it's a lot. Yeah. We feel tired and overwhelmed. And and what would help you get a break from that? Mm-hmm. And maybe saying, what if once a week or every other week you have a night out to go with your friends or with your brother and you guys go do something. And then yeah. every other week, then one, it's then I take a night. So we both get a break. And I think if we can approach it that way of, hey, what do you need? What do I need? recognizing we all have needs and we have that attitude that says, I'm here to support your needs. And oh, by the way, I also have some too. Yeah. We may get better response than if we just throw up that, well, hey, I'm going to the gym every morning at 6 a.m. Hope you and the kids are okay. It's like, it, it just, we're just dumping our weight or burden yeah. on someone else. And that's yeah typically not going to be received well. Yeah. And if you don't have that supportive person or you're a single parent, that again, how healthy are, is our support system? Do we have people around us that we're bouncing those things off of mm-hmm. and, and that are helping us and that are even honest with us to help us find the right balance between selfish and self-care? Totally. Um, okay. So we've already, I, I think even in that list, last question, we've touched on this a little bit, but perhaps the reason this myth exists is that people have used self-care as a kind of excuse um, to maybe avoid responsibility or hard situations. So just straight up, does self-care... Uh, become selfish at any point, And can we actually take it too far? Well, I would say, I'm going to throw out there that all of us are selfish sometimes. <laughs> I don't know anybody who isn't selfish sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we're wired yeah, to trigger get our warning. needs met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're wired to get our needs met. So again, even when we look unselfish, sometimes we're meeting a need for pleasing others mm. or finding my worth. So if you if you look at that need, and I liked what Nick said, right? When we're um, when we're getting that need met by in healthy ways, then we're bringing out the best in other people, and our needs mm. are being met, or we're our healthy version, and we're meeting the needs of others. Yeah. So if you kind of think of it that way, yes, we are. Um, all of us are unhealthy sometimes. All of us are selfish sometimes. We live in a pretty selfish culture in a lot of ways. Um, but yet we still manage to be either beat ourselves up or deny ourselves sometimes of that need for self-care. So hopefully when we've talked today, we've helped people look at it more balanced, not have that really black and white view, yeah. but be yeah. able to hold both of those things of like, I need to be able to meet my needs. And I also need to be healthy enough to be aware of how I affect the relationships around me. Hmm. Yeah. You, you quoted Jesus earlier when you said, you know, we need to love others as we love ourselves. And and so built into that is, yes, I need to have love for myself, but yeah. also act in a loving way towards others. And mm-hmm. so that's where if, if my self-care is being done in a way that's just oblivious to the way it's impacting my family, my spouse, people around me, it's like, well, hey, I'm getting what I need. Well, then I'm just loving myself. And, and if there's no eye towards, am I loving others well, then I think it can just become a selfish act. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind for me is if we start to use it as an excuse uh, for indulgences. That mm. We don't we don't truly need for self care. We've just put the self care label on it, yeah. and it means every night we're we're drinking too much or we're you know abandoning responsibilities with our kids because we just have to be out with our friends for quote unquote self care. Yeah, if we're just using it in that vein to kind of do what I want when I want. Then I think we have to look in the mirror and be honest, say, am I really meeting those deep needs or am I just looking for a way to kind of blow off responsibilities yeah. and, and do what I want? Because then it is it is a form of selfishness. An example um, for me, I was just getting into the Harry Potter books. We were living at my in-laws. Our oldest was maybe, I don't know, six months, a year old. And I got to the point where self-care was reading Harry Potter. And I mean, like everyone who's read Harry Potter is like, yes and amen, Right. But what I found myself doing was disappearing into our room to read. And it was something that was helpful for me. 
But after maybe like three or four times that happening, Amy came up to me and was like, where are you disappearing to? What's happening? And what I realized is I wasn't communicating what I was doing. I was pulling away and calling it self-care, which maybe it was, but it was at the cost of not communicating it to my wife or putting her out or disappearing from the responsibilities that I had. And so for me, self-care in that situation definitely became selfish. It wasn't something where I was checking in and making sure, hey, is, is this okay that I'm doing this? When would be a good time for me to do this? How can we make sure you're getting your time? So if it's just a like, I'm disappearing to go do it, um, that's not helpful. And I, it's funny, I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, that when I check in and I'm like, hey, is this okay if I go do this? It was never like, no, that's dumb. Why are you doing it? It was always like, sure, that's fine. Thanks for letting me know. And then, then it, it is no longer selfish and becomes something that is helpful for me and not putting other people out. So I think that example might help people a little bit understand it. Yeah, self-awareness is a really key word there. And so I probably would recommend the first self-care uh, we take care of is, do I pause sometime in my day to check in with what's going on in me and mm-hmm. around me? Because that's just, you know, letting our brain go offline, right? Dissociating, not really being in tune yeah. with what's going on around me. And so if my first mode of self-care is some sort of stop and reflect, whether it's a morning time, a pause, a prayer, a meditation, um, or sometime during the day that I do that, I would say that would benefit you the most because out of that discerning spirit, out of listening, I'm able to actually see what the needs are around me. So if I want to be a healthy person, um, I'm going to not just need to say, here's the list of all the things that makes me feel better. Um, but I'm a connected person, mm-hmm. um, in my relationships and in myself. And I, I'm, then I'm more discerning. So if I really want to be healthy, I think that's the piece because I might say, oh, I need a nap, but I need a nap because I've been binge watching Netflix every night. Right. right. So that's not actually, there might be something I need to change versus, Hey, I need a nap for my self-care or whatever. Yeah. So, and when I, I like to think of the word, um, sin as just meaning missing the mark. So when I say, oh, I missed the mark, I always have the opportunity to make adjustments. Mm -hmm. And rather than it just being this big word, am I sinning? Am I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, no, I'm missing the mark. And there's a lot of different ways we miss the mark, right? In our lives. And we can make course adjustments. We know that from recovery. So we can do this with self-care or any area of our life. We get the opportunity to tune in and make an adjustment to what needs to happen. Yep. Yeah, I think what you're bringing up there, Tracy, is that sometimes the same activity can be selfish or self-care. So for me, you know, listeners of the podcast know running for me would be one of those activities. It's like hitting the great reset button in my life, emotionally, mentally, relationally. But if I were to to run every afternoon at 4.30 p.m., I think it would be intensely selfish because I'd be saying to my wife, dinner's on you, picking up and running around kids is on you, all those things that happen in that it's all on you and because I need to go do self-care. And uh, that would seem selfish versus for me in my life right now, running means I either need to do it early before the day starts or at the end of the day when all that stuff is done. And for other people, your home life situation may be totally different and 430 works for you. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm just making the point that the same activity done without self-awareness, without thoughtfulness of others can be selfish or self-care. And so it's just taking that time to think and be aware of mm-hmm. how is this impacting others? What's the right timing for it? And um, and at the end of the day, does it benefit not only me, but also the people around me? Which I think is what self-care ultimately does. It helps me identify what makes me better and others as well around me. Yeah, it's good. Well, Tracy, this has been so helpful. I hope yeah. our listeners have tons of uh, thoughts and ideas about how they're going to practice more self-care. And so as we look to wrap up today, Uh, Just what are some final tips that we'd give people on implementing self-care into their lives? Well, I think for each person, they're going to want to think about what resonated for them and where maybe they need to be courageous or they need to take Mm -hmm. a next step. Um, For some people, that'll be a difficult decision. And for other people, it'll just maybe be creating a new pattern. So I think finding what that is, and then always, I like to think of it as like, stick your toe in the water, right? You don't have to dive in if this is difficult, stick your toe in the water, and you can gradually move into that. Um, But everybody's going to have to assess like where, where they're at, you know, if they're, if they're listening, and that's important to them, they're going to assess today, where they're at, and maybe what kind of courage I need um, Mm -hmm. for the next step I need to take. Yeah, I mean, I just wrote down, start small and be realistic. 
you know, start small. So dip your toe. Don't just dive in. Like, well, I'm going to go, if you're not a runner and you're like, well, I'm going to run three hours a day. It's like, okay, you're going to kill yourself, <laughs> you know, or end up in the hospital. And that's mm-hmm. selfish because that hurts your entire family. Don't do that. But also be realistic. Like where are the pockets in your day that you can fit them in? For me, having a 10 to 20 minute walk uh, two times a day, I can fit that into the schedule. You know, it's even last week I had a meeting here at the office where it was a 50 minute meeting and we just walked, we walked the entire time. And it was something where that meeting could fit that context. So I was mixing a little bit of self-care with work at the same time. And so finding ways to maybe, you know, and I've, I've used this illustration too, for like phone calls, um, for like group, like I have time in my car, 25 minutes a day on either end where I can do phone calls, find those pockets where you can fill that time with self-care. And there may be sacrifices like, well, I can't binge on Netflix or I can't play that video game or do blah, 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 whatever it may be. But just find those pockets and be realistic in how you can fit self-care in your schedule. Yeah. In response to what you both said, I was thinking of the quote that don't let all the things you cannot do keep you from the things you can do. Mm -hmm. And I think with self-care, we all maybe have an image of what it could look like. The the person we follow on Twitter or Instagram that, you know, for pastors takes that two-month sabbatical every summer and goes to England and studies at Cambridge (laughs) and writes a book and... And it's like, mm-hmm. there's self-care and we're like, holy cow, I can barely get a week off. And, yeah. and so we get so discouraged by this image or this perfect life that we just can't reach that we do nothing. Mm-hmm. So instead, it's just like you guys said, what, what, where can I start? What can I do? What are those little steps that I can take? And then, you know, build off of that. Find what works, find what doesn't work. And the other thing I'd say is final encouragement is just to remember that your self-care and my self-care might be totally different activities. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in coupleship, we can struggle with that of, you know, maybe last night we had couples over and we had this great game night and one spouse feeling like that was amazing. Yeah. And the other mm-hmm. spouse is saying, I'm exhausted. I need a vacation. You know, so for, for one, it was self-care. For right. the other, it was a lot. They may have still both enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but the one, it filled them with life and energy and the other, they just need like a day by themselves, not have to do anything. And so yeah. if we're aware that what I need and what you need might be totally different, then I think we can have the openness to others to say, how can I help support your needs just as you're supportive of mine? And, and being aware of that is, I think, really important. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, okay, so it's clear. The myth that self-care is selfish, it's a myth. It's like, you know, results are in. Self-care is very, very important. And we do definitely hope that this conversation helped give you, you know, as, as Tracy said toward the top, that shift in the paradigm that you're able to see that self-care is something that's super beneficial, not just for you, but for other people. And the irony is in that is that our sacrificing self-care to like serve others, quote unquote, sometimes actually does more damage to other people. And so we hope that this conversation has helped you, given you some practical tools and thoughts to move forward. And Tracy, uh, look, we said at the top, we love you. We are big fans of you. And, and honestly, too, just recognition that Every single week, every single day, you sit in the trenches with men and women who are in this journey. We appreciate you for doing that, appreciate the work, and we know that self-care is absolutely a part of your rhythm because that is not an easy job. So thanks for what you do and thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and start the healing journey today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Each week we put out new content to help you on the road to healing and freedom. And lastly, never stop being healthy.